thorymwealthcorner.com, your source for Duke Sports, and brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at thoriumwealth.com. Check them out, thoriumwealth.com, for more information and full disclosures. Our thanks to the folks there for uh, their support of the podcast, the show, and uh, everything at cavscorner.com. Uh, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of the aforementioned cavscorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is October the 23rd. It is a Wednesday. Uh, it's an hour earlier than we normally record because somebody wants to watch their team in the World Series. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Um, so if uh, if one of us, and we're not going to name any names, is a little distracted later, it's not it's not my fault, um, and it's not Dave's fault. So there you go. Um, tonight we're going to talk about Virginia's resounding victory over Duke. Uh, we're going to talk about Virginia's upcoming game um, with Louisville. Um, some of us, myself, me, Brad. Uh, are going to take a little bit of victory lap because we told y'all that Louisville wasn't going to be bad, um, that Louisville was going to be dangerous, and um, yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna soak up those kudos. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Pretty good. Trying to avoid all the slaps on your back you're giving yourself over there. Uh, who days on the board at Who days on Twitter? And uh, I'll get to you in a second. And then uh, <laughs> up in Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber. Go Nats! How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I don't know what you're talking about, but um, <laughs> I am interested to see how UVA alums Ryan Zimmerman and uh, Sean Doolittle do in the World Series. Though. I mean, so, so far so good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't jinx it. Add Justin underscore Ferb on Twitter. <laughs> Jinxes don't exist. After the UVA, uh, wait. Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional. Uh, Woody Banter. After the the Cavaliers won a national championship, you would think that you would uh, not be worried about these jinxes, but um, you know. Hey. Oh no, yeah, I don't. I really don't believe in them. But but uh, but also, let's not jinx know. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't want to be the person that makes me start believing. <laughs> That's a very good point. Oh, speaking of uh, um, speaking of claps on the back, Dave, did you have did you have a fun experience on Saturday? Did you have a fun experience? Did someone want your autograph? Did is is that? <laughs> oh my! That, I was like, "Where is this I, going?" Yeah, I, hey, I, I was trying to figure out what was going too. I was like, yeah, "How did you both yeah. forget it?" Like, that's the most incredible story. All right, I'm going to tell the story because Dave's not going to tell it right. So here is the. Uh, well, there's no autograph. That was uh, yeah. That was just your yeah. daughter giving you. Giving <laughs> that was you my daughter giving me grief. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's listening. So whoever you are, I didn't get your name. Thanks. All right. So yes, whoever you are, make <laughs> but sure if you go either... to castcorner.com. You can buy a sign. UVA <laughs> Yeah. That's actually a really good yeah. plug. Fanatics, what's up? No, I'll okay. send you my Venmo if you want Sean David basketball. <laughs> send you my Venmo. Can that be the uh, the title? Send you my Venmo. Um, so, all right. So let's um, let's give the people what they want because everybody's everybody who's listening is like, what the heck are they talking about? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell it real quick, Brad, so you can joke on it. Um, but yeah, after the game, um, my daughter was my oldest was with me, uh, so she was down at the railing because you know. Um, trying to catch a glove or a head headband, whatever they're going to throw up. And I was sitting there with my, with my game watching buddies. And a guy came up and was like, Dave. And I was like, yeah. And it's like, listen to the podcast, man. Big fan. Enjoy your work. <laughs> they just took off. Um, my daughter had walked back up during the time he was talking to me. So it was fun. I mean, I appreciate the guy. I wish I'd have got his name. I kind of felt bad in, in retrospect. Um, but my daughter harassed me about that the rest of the evening. Um, She's only nine, but she has a great sense of humor. So it, it turned into like him just saying, you know, Dave to her, you know, acting like, yeah, can I get your autograph? Can I get a selfie with you? Dave, are you Dave? Are you <laughs> Dave from the podcast? Like it didn't stop the entire walk back to the 
tailgate spot, the drive home, the next morning. It just stopped yesterday. Well, shout out to that guy. And hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast and start <laughs> over with the, can I get a selfie or an autograph? Uh, Are you Dave? But first, let's t- let me take a <laughs> selfie. Um, also, the funny thing is our, our friend, mutual friend Terrence said, hey, Dave's too modest to tell you guys, but this funny story and just like relate the story. And I was like, oh, no, he told us. No, no. Well, but I don't know if Terrence was saying no, that he I'm was too Terrence modest. Said. I think he was saying he was too embarrassed, right? Which is oh, a little okay, bit different. Yeah. Like, right. Like I, I personally. Throngs of screaming fans. <laughs> I personally I'm neither modest love, nor embarrassed. I love this. I, I love this. I, I occasionally, somebody will like see my name tag, but nobody's ever heard me or seen my face and gone up to me and been like, hey, are you such and such and such? That, that's pretty awesome, Dave. The other thing I would tell my you. My question is, how the hell do you know it was me? Well, you have your, you have your. I mean, um, I've got, yeah, it doesn't take maybe a whole lot. I think you've I've also made, you made references section. to where you sit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, I'm not I the mean, quietest fan in 116 either, so. I will say there is there is one person at Scott Stadium that I do not want to meet, and that was the gentleman in front of us starting the wave <laughs> for a quarter. Stop doing that. What if that? But what if Wave Guy is is actually a, a listener, and you've now and just he can come him? he can he can come on and defend himself. Okay. I will, uh, wow, that'd be a good bye week podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome on. <laughs> Episode. Uh, what would it be like? Three hundred and thirty-one. Uh, Wave yeah. guy defends himself. Yeah, it's like yeah. Judge Judy coming on Judge Judy. State your case. <laughs> State your case. That's another good title. All right. We're, 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 we're cooking. All right. There was a football game. Um, God, I don't want to leave, but I don't. I, I want to joke on Dave like for the whole show. Oh, like, why did UVA fine. have to like do good things? Like, if this would have been a perfect place for like the teams that that sucked over the years, and we didn't really have much to talk about other than the fact that they sucked. Man, I would love to have had this. Hey, I just respect the fact that the guy who like. Call, you know, came and introduced himself. And please, if you're on the board, like post on post in the uh, thread for the podcast. But it was like, you know, it was a 48 14 game and it was well after the end of the game when he came over. So big ups for him for sticking around. Yeah. Not a lot of people did. Not, yeah. I'm not trying to throw shade or anything, but I think it just got so out of hand that people were like, yeah, it's time to go home. Yeah. I'm starting to learn there's a, there's a percentage of fans at UVA that are going to leave early regardless of situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually you see the like when it's a blowout. If they were down 48-14, it would make complete sense. But I think you see the same amount of people leave when they're up 48-14, which is not – I don't really have like a take on that. It's just an interesting thing. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, before we move – from this, I, I do want actual content. No, I just, I just realized. <laughs> so, so Saturday was my daughter's first uh, UVA football game experience, and so far, the Cavaliers have scored a hundred points when she's been there in JPJ, and they have now beaten Duke forty-eight to fourteen when she's been there in Scott Stadium. So basically, what I'm saying is, is that you need to, anybody who's listening to this either needs to subscribe or tell your friends to subscribe so I can take my kid to more games. Um, because apparently the you Cavaliers need to take her to the Duke basketball game. <laughs> Let's see what happens there. <laughs> yeah. So we, all right. Well, you know, we'll get the GoFundMe uh, going for for somebody to pay for a ticket. Um, but no, she had an incredible time. They were sitting in the last section before the hill on the um, UVA side, and all of the basically all of the scoring in the game. Right, forty one of the forty eight points were all scored in her end zone. And so she she told me she's like, Daddy, she's like. Um, do the Wahoos always do that well? Or no, she didn't say do well. Are they always are the Wahoos always that good? And I sent, oh sweetheart, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't have any idea. Um, so anyway, so I, I was a uh, whoever the usher was at the base of uh, that section who let me bring her on the field for a hot second. If you happen to be a listener, 
um, or anybody knows him, um, I didn't get him in trouble, but thank you very much for um, giving the, her that memory and uh, and me that experience. All right, so, man. Brad's out here exchanging shout-outs on the podcast for a special access. I mean, listen, you know what? It's like so quid pro quo situation. you want to share before we move on to football? Anything good happen to you Saturday? Me? Yeah, I mean, you, you had lunch with Grandma, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, shout out Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, my I have you know both of my grandmothers are still alive, fortunately. Yeah, um, fortunate. One of them, the one I was not speaking of last week, uh, the other one had a pacemaker put in last wow. week, and I didn't know that when we recorded, so I wasn't being selfish. It just I, I was talking to my parents like the next day and was like, "What the hell? Like, nobody's gonna <laughs> tell me." But she's fine, so Good. whatever, she'll be alright. <laughs> Wow, we have covered yes. a lot of ground. Get this thing back on the rails. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, Duke. In the first ten minutes of this show, we have covered some ground, butter. Woo! All right, let's see uh, if we can do My this. My grandma had about as much offensive offensive success as Duke. Here we go. Hey, all right. So forty eight. Maybe it wasn't Daniel Jones. Wow. Um. <laughs> so forty eight fourteen. Um. I I don't believe I I, I haven't checked the the receipts here, but I, I'm. I'm pretty sure none of us picked anything close to this sort of whether in margin of victory or just in terms of the amount of score. And I think we were all sort of, you know, like hedging the other way, which was a uh, low scoring game. The Virginia won. Um, I think when 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 you force five turnovers, typically good things are going to happen for you. But with this offense this season in the red zone and shortly outside of it, man, you really can't take anything for granted. I guess the, the conversation I want to have first is how encouraged are you realistically is it a function of having more opportunities do you think the offense has you know turned a little bit of a corner Dave we'll start with you as you have now had some time away from it uh, nobody's coming up to you and telling you that they enjoy your work on the pod um, how uh, what, what do you what's your what's your sense do you feel like Virginia turned a little bit of a corner do you feel like you saw enough to make you cautiously optimistic about it going forward or are you still concerned about where the offense and especially the red zone scoring are right now i mean i think it was what five touchdowns um in the red zone so yeah they were five for nine yeah or I mean, five touchdowns on nine trips two field goals i believe or three field goals yeah, and then one and one of the trips was late with lindell right yeah so, it was the two yeah it was five touchdowns two field goals two interceptions yeah so i mean overall yeah like if you want to be a curmudgeon and don't like an eye and don't like the way the offense is heading you certainly can say hey you know it's not perfect um, but I think you've got to be encouraged it. Obviously they had more chances than they would get in a standard game, but they converted five, you know, for touchdowns, which, you know, that's, that will win Virginia. Most games, you know, five touchdowns, regardless of how many chances is going to win UVA football 90 plus percent of the games they play probably. Um, so that's good. I, I thought there were some interest, some good wrinkles. I, I do think the offensive line blocked better. Um, you know, I, I did love seeing him under center a couple of times in the red zone. Even if it's not something you do regularly, it's something that, you know, it's a good change up. And they had success with both of those plays. I think one was a, I uh, can't remember what the first one was, but yeah. They this, ran a reverse for like Yeah, the reverse. Yards. Yeah, to, to Ke- Kelly, right? The double yeah. reverse. And then they went under center again and scored. So, um, changes. I mean, not just what we saw on the field, but I think what Bronco talked about after the game. Uh, you know, he, the fact that, Look, we, we can obloviate about this all, stuff all we want, 
but Bronco clearly recognizes an issue. He talked about changing like the organizational structure, which essentially boils down to creating more time in practice and meetings geared towards red zone defense and offense. Um, and that's a good thing. Uh, some of what you saw, I think, was a function of that. And it was also a function, let's be honest, it, we weren't playing Miami or Notre Dame's defense. Um, luckily, we don't have to play those defenses anymore. So hopefully we'll see it continue. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you saw the score of the game and didn't really watch it, the final score and the you know the points for UVA is a little misleading just because if I saw 48 points, I would just assume that they racked up like 500 yards of offense and dominated on offense. And really, they had like 300 and barely outgained Duke. Um, but they were much, much better in situations that they had struggled, particularly in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And like Dave said, I think the thing that I was most pleased with was the overall uh, like additions to the offense in terms of scheme and then wrinkles. So, I mean, we talked a little bit last week and I was a big proponent of just cut Bryce loose at this point and let him, let him do his thing. Like let him run. Um, I think the fact that Brennan is back certainly seemed to be a factor in that. And Bronco even admitted as much after the game saying that they had kind of made a concerted effort to honestly, the way he was saying it, it almost sounded to me like he was making his case for why the offense had struggled. Right. He was like, we were doing this because of this. And, you know, basically we was saying we didn't run Bryce because Brennan was hurt, which puts strain on the offensive line, which is why we lost to Miami like we did. That's kind of what how I took it as what he was saying. Um, and I think that, I mean, he had 22 rushing attempts, I believe. I think he only had like 62 yards. But the intentionality was there, which is good, which, I mean, it's just going to freeze the defense and open up other things. Um, I, I like the fact that they we saw some variety in the short yardage runs. Like it wasn't just line up in the pistol and hand it off to to Wayne like it had been. Uh, you saw Bryce keep it on quarterback powers, quarterback sweeps, um, different things like that. Obviously, uh, Dave mentioned going under center. Uh, I thought it was encouraging to see them run a little bit more off tackle. Uh, even the ones that were with Bryce and the reverses and stuff. It seemed like so many of their runs were just like straight up the middle previously but i mean bryce one of the touchdowns he had was basically a, a sweep to the left another one where he got down to the one was kind of a power to the right then he had a few draws uh which some most of them seemed designed i think there was like a true read option in there which was interesting um and i think that play actually went for like 11 yards uh but yeah i, I thought the wrinkles i mean you think about like the runs that bryce put together allowed a lot of other things to happen uh, for example one of the plays they ran i believe it was in the second or third quarter uh, was like a basically a fake design run. And then he just dumped it off to Tanner Cowley, who it at first looked like a lead blocker. And of course, nobody's going to take him. So they just dumped it off to him and he picked up like 20 yards. Uh, that stuff exists because you have to establish Bryce as a runner and get them thinking about that in order to hit these plays, which I would basically categorize as counters. Like the play they ran to Miami or against Miami to, to Kelly, that, that kind of like, quarterback sweep pop pass little thing like that's just basically a counter off of a quarterback run and i think that establishing the run is kind of allowing them to or bryce running i mean is allowing them to kind of like diversify the offense and open things up so i'm a little bit more happy with with that the only thing that kind of concerns me is i'm not a huge fan of like we've talked about this but 
so many of the, the throws are contested and they're coming down with those. But the math says that eventually you're not going to hit all those. And those are also much more likely to be turnovers than other throws. So it, it's great that Hasis is going up and making these amazing catches and Joe is doing the same, but you got to find ways to get the ball to guys in space so they can have a room to run because UVA has to be near the bottom in yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean, for me, as I <clears throat> sort of rewatched it, I, I thought that on the one hand, it certainly seemed, uh, it certainly seemed like to me that that Virginia had there were definitely some pieces to the offense that were, um, I guess we could say they were um, not necessarily new, but maybe different, right? Um, I thought using Peacock more seemed to be a good thing. He graded out well. Um, I still think. I think the reason why I'm not jumping for joy is that the first, the way it got started concerns me. Um, there was a, and there was like a, you could, a palpable sort of like angst in the crowd, right? It was a, a couple third downs or whatever. And you, they were just, I don't know. I, I still, I still think that there are, there's more out there um, than what they're able to show or are showing right now in the red zone. Now I do like running Bryce more, um, I understand the methodology. I mean, my dude had 19 rushes in the first half. I mean, and a lot of them were design stuff. You know, they weren't just like, and, and they weren't like what, what they had been running was just largely, you know, just draws, right? A lot of this was, you know, legitimate, you know, running stuff. Yeah, they were really trying to get him going. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that that had a positive impact. I, and, and then I, 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 my problem, though, is that I can't, I can't sort of separate in my mind the impact that getting down and turning the ball over had on Duke's offense um, and, and sort of what that meant, you know, turnovers beget turnovers. Um, I thought Virginia did a good job of basically taking what Duke gave them and making something out of it. And given the struggles for over those seven quarters uh, that Virginia had, or yeah, seven, right? It was seven quarters. They, they went without a touchdown. Um, yeah, yeah, seven plus. You, you can't you can't really look you, you can't really look at what they did in the second and third quarter and think, oh, you know what, that's you know that's still a problem. It it can be, um, but I I think ultimately the the news is good. I still want to see them do it consistently before I think that we're in a spot where we can sort of let them off the hook. Um, and what I mean by that is not necessarily just from like a um, you know ridicule or commentary standpoint i just mean in general like before that ang- you know w- until that angst is just gone i think that um i still want to see him use kelly and kentmore i still want to see him um you know whether they're gonna if they're gonna throw passes to, to tanner and kelly that's great my thing is there were a couple of plays i thought bryce really left it out out there um the the, the first interception you know he he had, I think it was, was it Talapapa just wide open in the end zone, just standing there? Um, and he didn't see him in part, I think, because he had decided to run, and so his head was down. And I think... And then he threw a pick on the next and play. He threw, yeah, and then he threw a pick on the next play. Um, or was it... No, I think it was that play. He forced it. It was the very, the very next play he threw it to Talapapa. That That's play right. he ran. Yeah, you're right. Um, so I think that there's, or he threw it away or something. There's still a lot that can happen for this offense, um, especially because, look, Hasis Dubois is doing some ridiculous stuff right now. I mean, my, like Ferber and I yeah. talked about this a lot during the game. Like and a lot of Virginia's offense right now is literally just throw the ball up to Haas or, or Joe Reed and let him go, you know, go get it. And that's great, but it's 
kind of not sustainable, right? And, it, and it's supremely problematic if you think about sort of the long term, like what a team's going to do to prepare for it. Um, so I, I think it's 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 incredible that Haas is doing what he's doing and he's able to have so much success one on one. But your whole offense can't just be, oh, I'm gonna throw it up there and let Haas go get it because he always does that. Like you you need a little bit more. You you still trust me. You want that. You want that kind of confidence, but you would like for your offense to be a little bit more diversified. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great that we can. Like, I mean, I think all of the criticisms mentioned between the three of us um, are valid, but I also think like we can't. I mean, I think it's a little unfair to to leave out the fact that this offense is averaging over thirty-one points a game, and we have reasons to think they can do better. Um, and that, that's thirty-one points a game, and they didn't hardly score against Old Dominion, who they should have run points up on. So. They're scoring. I mean, Louisville's averaging 33 a game, I think, and we see them as a dynamic offense. So, um, I mean, I, I think it's probably better than we think it is, but worse than we hope it could be. And I, I think that's probably right, just because of when you, when you look at all the the struggles they've had. Um, maybe, you know, I certainly I guess you have to say it's a testament to the, the complimentary football and, and the team itself. But um, there's definitely... I definitely saw enough improvement between Miami and Notre Dame second, you know, second half of Notre Dame and the Miami game and this Saturday, whether it's because, you know, they got short fields or whatever. Yeah. You can't hold that against them. They can't go drop 80 yards if they don't have to. Um, and, and they did some things. So, and that's one week. So they take those and add on, um, you know, I'm excited to see what it means for the rest of the schedule. Cause look, I don't want them to have shown every, you know, you know, every play they have, you know, with some really big games coming up. So I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm encouraged. I'm, I'm definitely like if, if anyone, if you'd have told any one of us that Virginia's going to score 48 against Duke and we'd find reasons to nitpick, we wouldn't have been surprised, but we'd have been okay with it. Yeah, that's very true. Um, last thing on the Duke game before we, uh, we move over, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this defense because um, it would be criminal if we didn't, right? I mean, the the grades if for folks who haven't checked out the thing I, I, and again as I say you know pretty much every week they're not the end all be all but man those grades were good um, that Devonte Cross has moved over and doesn't seem to have missed much of a beat uh, Chris Moore continues to play well but it was the it was the impact of the name players right so you've got Charles Snowden and Zane Zandier and Jordan Mack uh, Eli Handback Mandy Alonzo the guys that you would think on this defense that would play pretty well, which just had a heck of a game. Um, Eli, I'm pretty sure played more snaps in this game than he has like in the last like two or three, maybe even combined. Um, I haven't checked those numbers, but I think he had 41 snaps in this game for them to continue to be able to do what they've done um, was fascinating to me because I thought going into this game, RPO heavy offense, Noah Taylor said it last Monday, right? The idea that as a pass rusher, you can't quite do everything you want to do normally when you're playing an RPO quarterback because you're not sure, you know, when you come off the line of scrimmage, what it's going to be. And what Bronco basically said is, no, 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 we actually we we're going to turn up the pressure. We're actually going to we're going to call more of them because we want the ball to come out faster. And I, I mean, listen, maybe that's just like a, a very simple concept that everybody else was thinking about, but it wasn't what I I was thinking about. And so for them to to come out and execute that well. And just put poor Quentin Harris um, on skates. I mean, that dude, he was the, he was just struggling all day. And I had I have watched enough of him to make me afraid of him and to see him struggle that much um, 
It just it, it was it was very it was really impressive to me the way that they just sort of manhandled Duke from the jump. Um, that offense needed two fake punts in a row to cross midfield. Um, that's like deep into the third quarter. Yeah, that's that, that is just nuts to me. Um, you know, Virginia won field position by like twenty five, in in part because you know of the turnovers and everything. But I just thought that this group that we talked about, you know, very recently. Like, hey, it's great that they're getting sacks and tackles for loss. They need to start turning people over. I mean, they were they did that the other day. Now, that's not to say they're going to, you know, come out and double their turnover um, number every game. Um, if they get ten turnovers in the next game, that's going to be incredible. Um, but it was it the, the you could you could even see it like how much they were trying to rip the ball out. Um, you you can tell that it's been a focus for them and a, a big point emphasis, and it paid off. And so, not only are they flying around, not only are they, you know, with lots of interchangeable parts and pieces, um, but it seems like right now that defensive staff really has things dialed in. I'm just super impressed with what they're doing defensively right now. What do you guys think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm a big fan of the defense. Um, yeah, I think what you saw Saturday was something I kind of was wondering with the defense as far as turnovers. It's it was a lack of turnovers due to the fact that the offense wasn't explosive and other teams were were willing to take a sack instead of throwing the ball up because they didn't they didn't fear our offense. Um, they'd rather punt than than risk it. And as soon as we got a little bit of space on Duke, you know, a couple touchdowns on the board, Duke started taking some chances, and boom, here come all the interceptions, so um, all the turnovers, but. Yeah, I do think, I mean, I know there's some discussion on the board about the defensive alignment. What I've found is when you see Virginia get into the two-down lineman look, like the, the four-man front with two outside linebackers, basically, when Virginia's on that look every down, you're done. That means you've pretty much abandoned the run or they think they can stop it with an extra DB on the field, which gives them so much versatility that there's very few offenses outside of Clemson in the ACC that are able to, like do a lot of stuff against that defense, that two-man front. Um, and Virginia got in that, I want to say, late first half, yeah. pretty much. Um, they ran a lot of three-man stuff initially. But, yeah, I mean, the, just the, com- the complexity of the looks they give you, uh, the pressure they're giving you, and, you know, first full game without Bryce Hall, and the the defense essentially shuts Duke out. I mean, they, they scored 14, but come on. Um, yeah, it was, it was impressive play. And the emergence of Noah Taylor, I think, is something no one's really talking about enough. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. Yeah, I mean, because you put him beside Snowden with a defensive line that's getting better every game. That's a pretty hardy, you know, hardy group of pass rushers that's really helping, um, really going to help hide some of the loss of Bryce on the back end. And Chris Moore, who had a really struggle his first game coming back from injury, um, played an outstanding game. Like I, I never, I would not have expected Chris Moore to play as well as he did Saturday based on the way he played in the last game. Hmm. Ferber, before you, before you sound off, I want to uh, make, uh, I don't know, note of this or something like that, but you know how they've always, they're always talking about how they want to, to take the, the right personnel on the right play. And we all, and I, I, I don't want to say all of us, I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself in the fire here. And I lament that all the time, that sometimes offensively, like, I would rather they just call a play and just run it with the dudes that are on the field or run it with their best players as opposed to, like, you know, these, these massive personnel packages, you know, where they're bringing all these dudes on and off and, and essentially, in, in some ways, to me at least, tipping the hand of, of, you know, to the other team's defensive coordinator. 
But at the same time, whatever, whatever I did, what, however much I dislike that offensively, man, they got that plugged in on defense. Like the use of Matt Gam versus Noah Taylor, the, the spots that they're using, you know, whether Tanback or Alonzo or whoever, I mean, it's, it's dialed in, man. And they understand their talent. They understand the way it all fits. Dudes seem to know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, the fact that they, they lost Bryce Hall and then moved a guy from safety to corner and then moved a guy into f- safety. And, they, the, and the defense, in terms of its coverage grade, went up 12 points week over week. That's nuts to me. Now, granted, Duke was trash can juice um, in a lot of ways, and it certainly didn't have the sort of passing day that we've, um, you know, that we've seen them have in other games. I was just really, I was just really impressed with the way they, the, the way the personnel executed, and the way the staff used that personnel. I thought was pretty flawless. What did you think about that? All, all, all that stuff on the defensive side, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, obviously there was some trepidation there after Bryce goes down. You know, you don't know what to expect, and. I expected Duke to kind of take advantage of that, and they really couldn't. And a lot of that is due to the pass rush. They just didn't have time to go deep um, and didn't really try. Or You know, they hit one deep for the touchdown, but that was, you know, almost three-quarters into the game. I'm interested to see how it plays out this week because um, I, I think that Louisville has some guys at, on the edge that are much, much dangerous than what Duke has. Uh, and their quarterback might not be as good, or quarterbacks. Uh, but if they can get the ball up there, th- there's some – plays to be made uh i'm interested to see how uva's dbs do against a better receiver group now that you know it's a second game without brace and we'll see how it goes i I think that they did everything they needed to do this week though and um outstanding effort against duke um i do want to take some of my defensive time to talk about special teams which we don't really talk about very fair very fair yeah okay so uva is 11th in punt return yards allowed nationally uh, they are 14th in touchbacks. They, I think it's like almost 80% of their Brian Delaney's kicks go for touchbacks. They are 10th in field goals made, and they are first nationally in average uh, yards per kick return. And they have two kick return touchdowns. Uh, so I think that we need to stop talking about the special teams as a group that, you know, it's the third phase. They are winning them games. Like yeah. we talked about what, you know, getting points, all 48 points against Duke. Seven of those was a return kick. <laughs> like, and that really, I mean, I'm not saying that Duke was going to get back in the game at 27 to seven, but that closed the door like, completely. Yeah. And the first kick return didn't really amount to any points because they didn't score on the first drive, but he got across the 50. And I believe those were his only two attempts because their third kickoff, which they only had three in the game, was an onside kick at the very end of the game. So Brian Delaney's making 75% of his field goals. Um, he is. I think he's like 96% on PATs. He missed one. Uh, I think that some credit needs to be given to the special teams. I think they're like 19th in SP plus special teams nationally, which is like just below where the defense is. So, I mean, they have gone from a, a group that you try to get by without them losing you a game to a group that is like outright changing games in their favor. Uh, and, and something to watch out for this week, uh, Louisville is near the bottom nationally in touchbacks. They're like 110th or something. So, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but don't be surprised if Joe Reed gets an opportunity or two in this game. Look at you. That was good stuff, Ferber. All right, let's uh, – Yeah, I mean, I think it needs to be acknowledged, yeah, especially no, after agree. all the consternation last week about Bryce, like why are <laughs> starters playing on special teams. I think you're – I mean, these plays matter. They change games. That You look at that pit game. 
they're up three to nothing and Noah Taylor blocks a punt and all of a sudden they're up ten to nothing. Yeah, you're right. Starters playing on special teams. Uh let's take our break. Caps Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by the good folks over at Second String Sports and Stores Draft. Second String Sports has the, all of the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, Evo Shield, as well as the quality used gear that you were looking for. So if you play football, baseball, soccer, softball, whatever, you find the gear that you need at Second String Sports and Stores Draft. If you have something from last season that you aren't using anymore, you can bring it in to Second String. They'll give you credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat, but you're not sure which one to get, Second String will let you try all their new bats in their demo zone and talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Second String Sports has a large selection of uh, Wilson A2000s and A2K gloves and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. Um, I love that I read that every week and I have no idea what it means. Uh, you can check out what Second String has to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Or you can go to their website right now, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. First string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CapsCorner.com. All right, so Louisville, the aforementioned Mighty Cardinals, the team that I told y'all was not going to suck nearly as bad as y'all thought they were. I promise that's the last time I'll do the victory lap. Um, a pretty interesting matchup to me, right, in, in the sense that you've got a Virginia team playing pretty well. you got a Louisville team that is better than uh, horrible that it was last year. Uh, apparently when you get rid of Bobby Petrino, good things happen. Um, Scott Satterfield, new head coach there. Had success at App State. Clearly has a plan and things are trending in the right direction. But it, the cupboard wasn't exactly bare, and at least offensively. So I kind of want to talk about the matchup. Um, Ferber sort of alluding to it. Um, it. It looks like to me that this will be – I mean, I realize they've played Miami. I realize they played Florida State. But I don't know if there's a team that Virginia's going to play all season um, that's going to have quite as much – in terms of skill position guys that are going to put leverage on you between running back and wide receiver, regardless of which quarterback plays. I, I don't know if there's another team on the schedule that, that can put that on the field. And I'm really curious to see how this defense matches up. So Dave, as we start to preview this thing, what concerns you about this matchup for Virginia's defense? And how do you feel like um, the Cavaliers have to respond to whatever that, th that thing is? being on the road is concern one um you know that's, that's still a place virginia has to show that they're 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 really good you know able to win um but you know, louisville as a team like their their wide receivers are explosive but it's their run game i mean they're averaging like 230 yards a game on the ground or something um almost double what virginia averages so and unlike some of the other teams we've seen this year and if you saw papingo's talk with the media today that's the thing he focused on too was their running game. Um, God, where they're averaging 216 yards a game rushing, 230 non-passing. So they're a pretty balanced team. Um, 456 yards a game, and it, you know they they scored 62 against Wake. And they, look, let's be honest, Wake is the best team they've beaten. They, they've they've beaten some couple bad teams and and had some close games with some <clears throat> like with Notre Dame earlier in the year. They were close for a while, kind of like we were. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess my concern is twofold. You know, they're a team who seems to like be happy running the ball consistently, and like Notre Dame kind of went away from that in the first half there, and we were able to take advantage of them. Once they got back to it in the second half, they kind of wore our defense down. Miami, for some reason, abandoned the run pretty early uh, after success with it. Um, I, th I feel like maybe it's just me, but I feel like teams abandoned the run early against Virginia. Um, when that's my fear especially last year and even some this year. 
has been stopping a team willing to run it three or four yards of play because I think they're there. Um, so we have to prove it isn't. That would be concerning. Like the, and then obviously no Bryce Hall. So um, if they're able to run the ball and you have to bring you know, bring guys down to help stop that between the quarterback and the running backs and a very big offensive line with a tackle I wouldn't mind having on our roster. Um, yeah, Wait, it does leave you successful. Is now, is now a good time for us to talk about that we basically have every every Saturday before the game, Dave and I at some <laughs> point talk about, man, wouldn't it be crazy if Virginia had gotten a Becton because that dude is a monster? Yeah, I mean, they really wouldn't have – I'm not saying they'd be having like a very, very different season than they have at 5-2, and two, but, I mean, that we'll Notre Dame game – that Notre Dame game could have been a little different, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. And look, I don't mean that as any shade to like anybody. Like, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I'm just saying, like, that dude. He's like a. He's just like a pro. I mean, he is. Oh, he's yeah, a pro. Yeah. He's, he's an absolute he's pro. A, he's a pro. Yeah. And, and I, thought I thought he would be good. I did not realize he was going to be this nasty. This like I, I understand I mean, he's been I there a little he'd bit, be but kind wow. of a project that could play like uh, kind of like how Morgan Moses honestly yeah, played right. early. He still had a bunch of flaws. I think this dude is just – I mean, he, he's not playing early anymore. He's a junior. But, I mean, he he's like a legit left tackle. Like, yeah. There's, oh, yeah, yeah. He's an and UVA, the thing is, though, UVA scheme, I don't know if like – I don't know if having like one dominant left tackle really helps you that much against UVA um, because of like the, the blitzes come from all different places. And yeah, like, it's true. hard to pr- – it's more it, – a lot of what UVA does is like – I wouldn't say misdirection, but it's like, you know, it's confusing. Yeah, it's, it's all, hard for yeah, teams. Dis- I know, so right. I, it's not like we're just going to bull rush you like right. Clemson would or something. True. No, they're going to try to eat up. They're going to try to make um, back then get eaten up with one guy. That's their goal, not to let them take two out. Like, you're not going to try to, you know, speed rush him. You're going to try to get the defensive line to, to eat up back then and leave spots open elsewhere. Um Defensively, Louisville not that good. <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's that's yeah. Game. I was gonna say Brad's uh, Brad's uh, congratulations only extends to the offense. Exactly. The yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, Louisville Louisville's averaging over 450 yards offense, but they're also giving up 450 yards. Yeah, they so, literally score 33.4 points a game and give up 33.4 oh, yeah, points a game. Yes, they yeah. rush. They rush for 4.85 yards a carry. They give up 4.85 yards. A not carry. great, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think so. I mean, it, it's a chance for our offense, you know, to control the clock, kind of keep their offense off the field, to allow our defense to be confusing and, and rested. Um, the one wild card, which um, hasn't been brought up, is weather Saturday. Like, it could be really, really bad. Like, they're calling for an inch or two of rain in that area. Oh, I had not even on looked Saturday. At it. Interesting. Now, it's a turf there, and this is the game I picked for in the prop bets. This is the game I picked to be Bryce's best overall passing and rushing day. Um, one to two inches of rain. I don't know if that happens, but um, that's certainly But to be quite to honest with you, it, it's that, not like the bar is super high. No. It's, like, it's, 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 his best day is like 350 total yards. Yeah, I think I called over 400 in this one, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly areas to worry. Um, ball security, but I mean, I think to me, when when you look how bad their defense is and their special teams, like there's some advantages Virginia has, they just have to play clean football. Yeah, special teams was the other thing I was going to talk about. Um, Ferber, to me, their return game is is dangerous, but also too, like you should be able to make a lot of hay. You know what I'm saying? Like I, another situation where like sort of they give and they and they uh, and they take. You know what I mean? So you've got to be if you're sharp, you should be fine. Um, the question is whether or not you're sharp. As you look at this matchup, Ferber, what are the what are the things that stand out the most to you? 
I think, I mean, the the worry is big plays for the Louisville offense. I think that that kind of goes back to what I was saying about Duke not really being able to test them. They have receivers that can test you. I mean, Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell are two guys that can take plays a distance. They can make plays in space. Um, they do a good job. I mean, their offense is well-designed. It's a lot of stuff that, honestly, for UVA fans that haven't seen them play much, it's not going to look terribly different than what you saw last year formation-wise. They run a lot of pistol shotgun looks um, and run receivers in motion across the field and all kinds of stuff like that. So I think that you know it's going to be a spread amount and uh, you know try to make plays offense. But I think, honestly, like Dave said, with the rain, I think they might actually be more affected by that negatively than UVA would uh, just because – I think if, if it becomes like a just grinded out ground game, I think UVA's defense is good enough to at least neutralize their run game and not just get worked, um, especially if they're not really throwing. But, it, you know, and conversely, Louisville's defense isn't very good against the run. And if you get Bryce Perkins going, you have that misdirection angle. But, yeah, I think the, the running back, the wide receivers, uh, they have a lot of skill guys. They have a good returner as well. Uh, so you hope that he doesn't come into play. Uh, Hassan Hall, he's actually a backup running back as well. Um, on the other side, we actually talked about this in the preseason, but Louisville has like really small linebackers. I was looking at their depth chart yesterday. Yeah, they moved over one of the dudes. Is- Rajay Burns is yeah. like a corner who's like converted to outside linebacker, and he's one of their best defensive players, but he's like six foot 180. Like, I feel like if this is a game where UVA's, and, th- and they only average two sacks a game, uh, UVA averages four. So, I mean, that kind of tells you what, where they are production-wise. Um, so I think it, this could be a game where UVA's offensive line could have another good effort after doing pretty well against Duke. They only allowed two sacks, and they were both on the same drive. Um, but, yeah, I think that conversely, I think UVA could have a chance to kind of win the line of scrimmage on offense, which would be new. And uh, if they can do that, I think they can really get some stuff going, weather permitting, obviously, in the passing game. But I think the if you I think this could be a, an opportunity for Bryce to get going because Duke doesn't have a great defense, but their defense is average, I guess. And and they did a pretty good job of bottling Bryce up, even though he looked a lot more explosive than he has. Um, but I think that with Louisville, it's like they they are also have the disadvantage of a new scheme, so you're going to have more you know communication problems and just missed assignments and stuff like that. And I think UVA's offense could potentially exploit that if they can get things going. Dave, in the preseason, you had Virginia winning this game 20-14 to 14 with a 70% chance of uh, a win for the Cavaliers. Um, give us some thoughts on the matchup and give me your pick and your, uh, and your headlines for the day after. I mean, I think they're – excuse my voice, it's end of the day. Um, like, I'm, I'm a little concerned about their defense, I mean, about their offense, um, especially with the – I mean, I think the weather helps us there. Not having Bryce, I mean, I think that's going to be where Satterfield – Like, I don't feel like Duke tried to exploit our DBs enough. Now, granted, they didn't have a whole lot of time to do it. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing Louisville's going to try to scheme to take some shots and kind of roll the pocket um, and see if they can expose the DBs. So, that concerns me. So, I think Louisville will score. But from what I've seen from the defensive staff, like, I mean, they figure out a way to get it done. Notre Dame scored 35 on this, obviously, and that was with five turnovers. Um, so I think the weather can be a factor, especially with Bryce out running and kind of doing what he does. You know, in the weather, we haven't had great luck um, on the road. 
like the Indiana game, for for instance. But um, I, I just, at this point, I just don't trust Louisville's defense enough to have to make a stop, especially if I mean I think Louisville's defense is bad enough for Virginia can have a eight, seven or eight minute drive and just keep that offense off the field and put pressure on them to try to score quick. Um, you know, we'll see how the weather actually impacts the game. But for me, like, I'm not going to change my score. because I, I mean, I think 20, I was going to say like 24-14, but if I predicted 20-14 in the preseason, I'll leave it there. I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game just because I think time of possession is going to be huge in this one. And I expect us to kind of have grinded out dr- draws. Um, you got a defensive-oriented head coach on the road in a game that is – you can argue how important it is, but it's hugely important <laughs> you know, um, to get another win. So I'll, I'll keep it there. I'll, I'll keep my percentage the same, around 70%. And I think the headline will be, uh, you know, Virginia wins on the road, um, now heads to UNC, because that's going to be the next big game. In the preseason, I had Louisville winning this game. Uh, Ferber, don't worry, I didn't forget you. Um, 20, 28-27 with a 70% chance for Virginia to win. I, I don't know – I can't really articulate. It was kind of just a feeling and also blind squirrels and nuts and that kind of thing. Um, I am going to change it. I, I think that there's going to be points scored. I, I don't know if Virginia is going to be the only one scoring them, but I do think the Cavaliers are going to have a decent day. The, the, the weather angle is, is a little bit of a, um, of a, of a question mark, obviously. Um, but I still think that given some of the advantages that, that, it, it at least appears that Virginia has on, on that defense. The question is whether or not the Virginia's defense can keep Louisville in check. And quite frankly, like the only times that this defense has had any issues this year is when the offense has left them completely out to dry. Um, no pun intended on the dry part. Um, I, I just kind of, even if Louisville has some moments, I just don't think they can sustain it. And I do think that, that this is going to be a program to be reckoned with. I think they are going to recruit, at a higher level, um, I think he's a heck of a coach. Um, they're going to get it right um, pretty quick, and there's no doubt in my mind. So I think the special teams angle plus uh, the, the their defense being a little bit suspect, I think Virginia is going to have to score points to win it. Um, you know, they're going to have to be better than you know the 24 mark that that uh, Bronco likes to shoot for. I'll take Virginia to win um, 31 to um, 17. Um, Headline, I think, is going to be the Virginia's bowl eligible before Halloween again, um, which is, you know, look, we can talk about Coastal Division this and, you know, bowl game, but, I mean, to be able to do that uh, with regularity is still a thing um, that we should, you know, because, I mean, look, some of those years were dark um, so that they, you know, they win this game and they get to that that place. I think that's important. All right, Ferber, in the preseason, you had uh, Virginia winning this game 35-16 with an 80% chance of uh of a win uh what say you now yeah i think i 100 percent agree with you about louisville like long term and i did in the preseason really i think this year i just thought they would be a work in progress kind of like uva year one uh or georgia tech year run this year um yeah i think that you know th- they've made a lot of progress with the offense which i didn't think was going to happen in year one but uh I still think UVA is the better team. The more I look at Louisville, I feel like this has the potential to be, uh, I mean, obviously if they hit a bunch of big plays, anything's possible, but I could see this also being a game, just looking at Louisville's quarterbacks who have played decently well. Uh, I mean, you could argue better than Perkins from a numbers standpoint, certainly better. Um, 
I think this could be a game where UVA really gets frustrates them. If you look at how they've done against uh, the teams they've played, I mean, their last three games, they lost to Florida State, they beat Wake, and they beat Boston College. They scored a bunch of points in those games, but go look at the rankings of those defenses. They're all really bad, um, you know, like around 100 nationally, even Wake Forest. Then they play Clemson, and they scored 10. And, and UVA is closer to Clemson than they are to those teams on defense. And then you have Notre Dame, who gave up 17 to them in the opener. Um, so, I mean, I think that this could be a game where UVA gets to the quarterback, kind of forces a few mistakes, uh, at least makes life difficult on them and makes it hard for them to get drives going. Kind of like Duke had the same issues. Uh, I'm going to say that UVA wins 31-21. Uh, I, I, there is definitely potential for Louisville to win the game, especially at home. If it was in Charlottesville, I wouldn't really be that worried about it. Um, but UVA still hasn't beaten them there. But I, I, I think that UVA is the better team. I'll take the better defense, especially if there's weather. Uh, and I think that if UVA can get – because you have to remember, even in that Miami game, they still got down there six times. Uh, against Duke, they got down there nine times. If they can get down there that you know number at six, seven, eight, nine times – and, you know, if they can just do as well as they did against Duke, they're going to win this game. Um, I'm going to go 31-21, and my headline is I think uh, Joe Reed's going to get him again. Uh, I think I think he's going to return another kick for a touchdown. It, you know, it's not a bad idea every week to just say that he's going to take one back because he's always well, I like mean, half got, a step away. Yeah, he's got five for the – yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, the numbers just – I don't know what you do if you're Louisville. I mean, you could kick it out of bounds every time and let UVA start at the 40, but I don't think that would be very smart. Um, like, you could try to pooch it, but honestly, like, I think somebody tried that against them and he returned it. Yeah, he like did. he just, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know if you had, or maybe their kicker just has a great game, but if the weather's bad, it's even more likely. I think that something bad happens to them yeah. on special teams. We, 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 sh- we've basically said it before. Ricky Brumfeld earning that, earning that coin. Um, I think we, we should not wrap up the podcast without mentioning the two quarterbacks at least in some more detail, which I realized as you were talking, uh, that we didn't really do. Uh, Cunningham yeah. is. I mean, how? Let, let me ask you this, Ferber. How would you sort of describe the two of them? Well, I mean, UVA saw Cunningham last year, so I don't know if fans remember he was Malik then. He's Mikhail now. Uh, not sure how that happened. Yeah, right. Uh, but it was very, confu- very confusing to me. Um, what the Heskin? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but at least the Heskin, it's like different. You know, it's like I can tell it apart. You know, I get it. This one's just like he just decided to change it or something. I don't know. It's probably his middle name. Um, so wait, you think his like, name is Malik Mikhail? That's not bad. Okay. I mean, that makes more sense to me than it, him just. I mean, maybe change. he just decided to change his name. Heskin Smith's name is Heskin Sean Smith, right? So yeah. it's not nothing. Nothing will ever top the Dante Wilkins uh, situation where yeah, it was from, spelled. It was spelled wrong. Yeah, he's basically misspelled his name for most of his life. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I would say that they are both um, somewhat similar. They're both kind of dual threat quarterbacks, from what I've seen. Uh, honestly, I don't know enough about Conley to give a really accurate depiction of his strengths and weaknesses but from what i saw you know he looked kind of like uh i'd be i'd be hesitant to say sam howell because i think sam howell's probably a better passer uh but he's got that dual threat ability um that you know or like a quentin harris for example uh cunningham you know he was a petrino guy i think that they thought maybe he could be the heir apparent to lamar jackson especially after the puma pass situation didn't really work out last year uh, that hasn't really come to fruition, but he's been playing pretty well this year under Satterfield, and he can do some things with his legs and get out of the pocket. Uh, from what I've seen, they run a lot of pistol looks with him and like some reads and boots and stuff like that. So there's definitely going to be a challenge, but 
UVA ran him out of the game last year. So uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I mean, they seem like they're already going to play both quarterbacks. So uh, if they can kind of have the same success that they had against them last year, where I think he was like six of nine and threw a pick or something and he got pulled. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it's possible that they could kind of get after him, but yeah, you're going to see a lot of the, it's a lot of the same scouting we did for Quentin Harris, where it's like, you know, you got to be worried about the run as well as the pass. But honestly, Duke didn't really get his running game going at all throughout the game. And, and I think if UVA can can make the running back beat them and, and focus their attention on him uh, and not give up a bunch of, you know, like quarterback runs, then I think that they'll be OK. <sighs> I think that's a good place to put a pin in it if you are someone who found the podcast through the website thank you very much for giving us a listen if you don't mind look us up on apple Podcasts, Stitcher, spotify overcast wherever it is that you get your shows if you're uh, so inclined give us a rating and review always helps get us out in front of more people and we very much appreciate it if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website check us out calvescorner.com right now you can check out video after the duke win i got charles snowden talking about the defense and life without bryce hall i got joe reed talking about why he thinks teams still kick to him um which i thought was actually kind of fascinating uh, we got notes from Monday's press conference, plus the three, two, one um, from uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Ferber had a five to watch on the cards. Uh, I had did a feature on Devontae Cross talking about his confidence uh, moving over um, from spot to spot um, and how he doesn't really seem to um, to be bothered um, uh, by it. Um, and then also you can check out, as I mentioned before, the um, pro football focus grades for week eight, week eight which were um, pretty good, especially on the defensive side. Uh, if you haven't already, hit that Fanatics link in the uh, podcast app of choice or on the content item for this uh, podcast. Um, anything that you purchased using that link, UVA or otherwise, goes to support the, uh, the the program and the website. So I thank you very much for that. Uh, speaking of thanks, I want to thank Thorium Wealth for their support of the show all football season long. Check them out, ThoriumWealth.com, for more information, full disclosures. Um, also, thanks to the Second String Sports for their support as well. Um, and thank you for supporting the show, continuing to listen. Thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. Uh, wouldn't be a show without them. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.